from them at the end if they have them. Uh, yeah, this is a kind of a casual one. We're, we're talking about two subjects, traveling with all your rights and uh, protecting assets. Uh, for those who don't know me, I started in 1968 in the financial planning industry. So uh, I've been, been doing this for a couple of days here, and uh, I think I finally got a handle on it. The uh, people who are in power have always had the knowledge of how to protect themselves. There are, there are some, uh, some trusts that are built for the very, very wealthy that uh, have a lot of things covered that nobody else is privy to. And unless you're part of the old boys club, you can't find out. Now there's some interesting things about trust. Those who are in that sort of position can afford the highest possible costs for trustees and, or errors and omissions and malfeasance and misfeasance and all the other things that people do when they're in a hard spot. And uh, the reason I bring that up is because Bob Schaefer, my mentor, uh, was once summoned to court in San Diego. He lives in uh, he lived in uh, San Bernardino County, about 100 miles away, and uh, he got this summons in the mail one day for Robert E. Schaefer, and he was uh, a trustee of this trust. Well, the uh, interesting part about it was uh, they sent out summonses to a lot of robbery shapers because there was a bunch of them around, and he just got named because he had a, a like name. And he finally went down and went through the court and said, hey, I'm Robert Schaefer. I have nothing to do with this matter. I don't know why you summoned me because I have nothing to do with the trust named here. So he, he got out of it. But uh, he had another experience with a gentleman who was his customer, uh, doing some research for him. And this man had a trust because he was in heavy equipment and he wanted to keep his his equipment uh, pretty much free from uh, mischievous lawsuits. And uh, one day he got a letter that uh, his trustee was being sued because of an IRS issue. The, apparently they said he owed about $80,000 and so they were going after the assets of the trust. And the guy called Bob and said, well, Bob, how can this be? This is a trust. It's it, it's in trust, and it's not in my name. They can't come after my equipment. Well, they found out the sad truth that in statutory trusts that are not uh, set up under the common law, the trustee has the legal ownership of the assets. And so the IRS took a bulldozer that was worth about 160 or $70,000 and confiscated it from this guy, even though he had nothing to do other than he named a, a guy who was alleged to have owed the IRS a whole bunch of money. So you've got to be careful what you do. Uh, I've always been of the opinion that 
financial planning, sometimes it's not how much you make, it's whether you are able to get the money back that you put in. So I've always been more on the uh, side of, of the older people who are getting ready to retire or who have retired or, or trying to make their money stretch until they die or give to their kids when they do die, that uh, it's the type of thing that you want to talk about guaranteed as well as some money that might need to be in risk for growth if you're younger. Uh, but most of the people that I've worked with over the last 50 years next year uh, have said they're more concerned about the return of their money than the return on their money, but they would like to make something. So you have to have to think about this when you do things. If you want to protect yourself from mischievous lawsuits, then there's only two things you can do. You can own something or you can control it. But if you try to do both, you'll wind up losing it if you get involved in an uh, a lawsuit that uh, they can find out that you own something because that will become the target of the attorney who's really anxious to make his next uh, payment for his new Mercedes and and they'll do anything they can to get there sometimes. Now, I can understand there are plenty of instances where people have done wrong, injured somebody and they need to be penalized. But uh, we're talking about people who are striving to be sovereign and of course... If you've heard this before, fine, it bears repeating. A sovereign is one who has no one to govern but himself. And if you injure someone, then you are no longer sovereign. You step down as uh, a a non-sovereign, and you have to answer for your injuries. So I try to educate people to remember that if you want to live as a sovereign, you have to act as a sovereign. And uh, you have to do things that are cautious and and safe and not hurt anybody if you hurt someone you've got to answer for it so that's that's kind of the code i live by that's why there are some things i will try to help people defend and some things i won't and uh it it uh comes home when you you start talking to people uh, why they're getting charged with this or that or the other thing especially in these criminal situations so it's, it's something you have to be aware of and uh that's where we get into the traffic matter. Now, I've used this uh, action at law four times that I've been stopped. I wasn't doing anything major that was uh, aside from any what everybody else was doing, you know, traveling at the same speed they're traveling at. I did have no cargo for a fee or passenger for a fare, so I was not for hire. I was not traveling in commerce. This was for my own personal pleasure. Now, I don't own any vehicles. I have use of a couple, but, uh, you know, they're not mine. The last thing that happened to me was uh, I was coming back from the Inland Empire in California here uh, toward the the coast, and uh, in heavy traffic, I I got somehow, I missed the fact that there was a police car uh, for the CHP on the the slow lane way way to the right, and I I was coming up on him, and I I couldn't stop because uh, there was traffic all over, and I had to keep moving with the traffic. So I watched him, and he stayed on the the right lane, and I was in the second lane, and uh, everything was going along fine. He kept falling further and further behind, and then he came up on the shoulder uh, when he got to a certain point and uh, put his lights on, and I I pulled over, of course, and uh, I was trying to make room for him to uh, seek the emergency that he was 
trying to get to because it's not lawful to have emergency lights on unless there's an emergency that, that you're heading to. So, of course, I follow the law. And I pulled over and let, tried to let him pass, but he, he unfortunately stayed around behind me. So I came up to the side window and said, you have a, a license and, and uh, insurance and, and registration, because I noticed your registration is out of date. It says 2015 on it. And I said, yes, officer, uh, I, I am required by law to notify you that I am not in your jurisdiction. I'm traveling not for hire, not in commerce, for my own personal pleasure. I have, as you can see, no passengers for a fare or cargo for a fee in my motorized conveyance. So um, you just need to know that um, I'm not in your jurisdiction. Well, this guy could have been a jerk, but he wasn't. He was really a nice guy. And uh, when I said it that way, in a nice way, and he knew I was trying to explain what the situation was, uh, I, I added... You probably have seen the signs in my rear window. And uh, and he looked up at it and he said, not for hire. Oh, okay. And, but tell me, what would you do if I pulled you over for speeding? And I said, well, that depends. There's two things you could pull me over for. One was for for uh, being driving unsafely and potentially causing harm to someone else or for actually uh, injuring someone. Other than that, you have no jurisdiction over me as a uh, a traveler. And um, I would simply tell you the same thing I just did, that I'm not in your jurisdiction and you have no no uh, uh, sway over me. Um, please keep in mind that the prima facie law is that if it's safe, it's legal. So if there's no injury, there's there can be no verified complaint. There's no uh, witness uh, or, or injured party in, in there's no witness to a crime, and uh, I, I think you probably don't have a Fourth Amendment warrant that you're trying to stop me for uh, or have seen me commit a felony. So, um, again, I would just tell you that, you know, um, there's there's no jurisdiction here, and, and I appreciate what you guys do out here because I know you go up with a lot of people who are dangerous, you sometimes get shot, and, and I'm in your corner. I'm here for you, but um, I appreciate you stopping me, and, and uh, you know, am I free to go? Well, we got talking a little bit more, and uh, uh, I said, you know, uh, uh, there are people out here that know what the law is. He said, are you one of those people that some describe as a sovereign citizen? And I said, no, with respect, you know, uh, I'm not a sovereign citizen. I don't declare myself to be. In fact, it's not possible to be a sovereign citizen. And with a straight face, I said, you know, saying someone's a sovereign citizen is not unlike saying someone is a virgin whore. And I don't mean that with disrespect to women, but uh, the point is you can't be both at the same time. Neither can you be uh, a sovereign citizen. I said, if, if you look, and he kind of smiled and, and, and went along with me. And I, I said, if you look at yourself, you're in a, a uniform. And while you're wearing that uniform, you are under the law and you're required to follow statutes and codes. When you take that off or take your badge off and go home, you're on off duty now. You are now stepping back up to being a sovereign, and you have no one to govern but yourself. When you put it on the next morning, you go back and you're in your your car on the clock, then you're you're a citizen again. So uh, judges are the same. They step on the bench. They're now acting as a citizen under the law and are subject to 
all the ramifications of that. So we had a great talk, and, and finally he, he said, you know, I, I said, I, I want to thank you for stopping me. Let me uh, throw a little education at you, not, you know, that, that you're, you're illiterate or anything, but just that uh, some people aren't aware of what the laws are. And he said, you know, I want to thank you. And he stuck his hand in the window and asked me to shake his hand. So, wow. again, it all comes back to your attitude, comes back to knowing the law, uh, comes back to uh, uh, sometimes uh, not irritating the police because you think you're better than they are, but just explaining and educating and, and using uh, the law in your favor. Now, I also took out from my glove box a ticket that I had gotten prior to him stopping me. And it indicated what it was. It was uh, uh, um, out-of-date registration. I said, this was given in Newport Beach. And I took the ticket and I said, if you'll turn it over, you'll see that when it went to court, because we use what's called written declarations here, uh, you don't actually go to court. You just write this declaration. They hand it to some pro tem or guy who may even actually be a magistrate on his way to looking at being a judge. And he decides that based on what the written declaration is. Well, it also says that it's dismissed with a a refund of 100% of the fine that I paid or the bail that I paid in order to write the written declaration. So I got my money back, and I said, that means it's res judicata. So I carry this with me. Also, here, I happen to have a copy of my entire uh, written declaration. If you'd like to look at it, you're free to do that. He said, no, this looks pretty good. And uh, thank you for taking the time with me. So it that's the way things should go. Now, they don't always go that way. And that's why some people actually video or audio tape the interview. I, I, I didn't think about it at the time because I'm, I'm not so nervous when I get pulled over anymore because I, I know my system works because I use the law as found in, in well-settled American law and jurisprudence. Tad, do you think we have any questions for any of this? Uh, you guys, if you have any questions, hit star eight on your phone, and we will call on you. And if you're not on the phone, you can uh, put it into the chat. Okay, right. I think we got somebody sweltering in Arizona here that would like to talk to you. Okay, good. Hello, welcome. Your phone Hi, just, John. There you go. I just Is wanted to ask couple questions the when you were talking about the truck briefly there is a foundation more secure than a trust it depends upon the kind of foundation that's a good question there are many foundations around the um, uh, Melinda and Bill Gates foundation uh, all sorts of foundations those are 501c3s and the interesting part about that is they are tax-exempt but you only get a 5013C exemption when you apply for it to the IRS. Now, if you apply for what I would call a privilege, what does that mean? That means the one who grants it has jurisdiction over you, don't they? Right. So a lot of these churches... A... Go ahead, John. No, I was just going to say that sounds like you'd be giving up your jurisdiction over your own foundation to the IRS. That's exactly right. Uh, and a lot of a lot of that is is unknown to a lot of people. Almost every church in this country is a 501c3. Uh, obviously, there are a lot of a lot of uh, Christian churches that are non-denominational as well as denominational. And 
I know of uh, two that are not, and one is a joke. Uh, the first one that's that's a valid, I call a valid religion, is the Mormon faith. Uh, they actually do believe in the Bible, uh, and I've had a lot of friends who are Mormon, and, and they're good people. Uh, and and the second is what I call a a, a uh, not a not a church, but a uh, a cult, and that's the uh, um, church, uh, uh, Christian Science Church. No, no. The, uh, Scientology. Not, no, I'm sorry, Scientologists. Yes, right. Scientologists. Yeah, uh, I was actually, I, I was actually referred to the Scientology uh, Church. Uh, they call themselves. They actually did get approved by the IRS because I think they bought their way in to be considered a church. Uh, I was uh, working with a guy in planning, and, and I was telling him about this thing I was doing, and, and he said, well, you know, you ought to go see these guys. These guys are really able to help you with a lot of things on on uh, self-realization and and uh, uh, how you can uh, become better at what you're doing. And the first session I had up there, I figured out what they were doing. And they were gathering, or trying to gather all this information. They were telling me about what they did. And they were trying to gather all this information, and uh, a lot of these Hollywood types uh, fall into that trap, and then they keep them in the church if they donate a whole lot of money. And they've got all this personal information that would be very difficult to explain to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sure it's a cult, uh, at least in my mind. Now, again, I'm not an attorney. I don't give legal advice, but <laughs> I wouldn't go um, there if it, if it were offered to me. Would, uh, well, I've heard this that a foundation that declares their records is subject to audit on said records, but a foundation that says there may or may not be records is not subject to audit or anything. Well, that's right. It, you, you don't have to uh, admit that you have records in a non statutory foundation unless on one one uh, term that you are subpoenaed by a court with a lawful court order. So uh, the thing I like about foundation is, as I said in the beginning, there's only two things you can do with material things. You can own them or you can control them, but you can't do both. If you have legal legal title, that's in your name. Any attorney can uh, come up with a a legitimate or a non-legitimate reason, sue you, such as these guys that go around and sue these businesses that don't have uh, uh, the ramps, the right number of inches and, and parts of inches high and things like that. And uh, they can hold you hostage for what you have. And uh, there's actually a guy here in Orange County that goes around and that's all he does. And I think he may have stopped because I think he got found out. But uh, there was actually a, uh, a an expose on TV about him. And he would go up, just just target businesses. He'd go in and use their bathroom. He was disabled in a wheelchair. They'd go in and use their bathroom, and if there was something amiss, you couldn't get to the soap dispenser or, you know, the sink was a couple inches high, he would sue them. So let's get back to foundations now. That's my point. If you have a foundation and it's not in your name because you donate your assets to that foundation, it's no longer in your name, as I said. And uh, you can control it, but you have no incidence of ownership. And a non-statutory foundation 
is is one of the, the best things you can use for asset protection. Now, I also uh, formed a corporation a, a short time ago because it's a company that's going to be out in the public in commerce selling and uh, um, doing things for people. It, it offers another layer of protection. So any time you have, you're talking about the, the uh, uh, possibility of having some large amounts of money flow, you, you want to have multi-layered protection so that uh, it's very difficult to pierce that corporate veil if there's not a, uh, a, a factual fraud or something involved in it where you're stealing money from people and you did something criminal. So if you stick by the book, uh, it helps you with all, in a lot of ways. You can, all right. control, you can control it. You've got uh, management succession. Uh, you've got um, the ability to... Uh, uh, minimize your taxes so it's multifunctional go ahead John yeah, I, yeah that's good uh, the other thing I was going to add and I've talked about it before Bob Schaefer and I did a 400 page sovereign filing on a corrupt county on certain property and I was wondering do you have a shorter one is there something Bob was working on it before he died. He was telling me about it. We were going to get together on it, and then he passed away. We couldn't get it done. But he was working on something short, a shorter version. Are you aware of that, or do you have a shorter version instead of 400 well, pages? Well, I do have some things that, that he's done, uh, and uh, I, I, was able, I was able, I believe, to get most of the things that he was working on at the time. But you said we were working on it. If you have a copy of what you've got, I can assist in helping you figure, figure that out. Uh, that would be the easiest way. Um, I, frankly, I, since Bob has passed away, I've been so busy trying to help with the things he was working on and the things that I was working on that I'm still working about 80, 89, 89 hours a week. So I haven't had much time to research what he gave me. I have about 500 so, and some emails from Bob. Oh. I, I, we, yeah, we do have somebody else waiting, by the way. I better let okay. you go, but we can talk about that later. All right. Yeah, get a, hold, get a hold of me, John. I think you know how to reach me. Thank you, and God bless you, too. Thank you. Okay, God bless. next caller. Next caller, Jen. Okay, I believe this is Orange County. When your phone mutes and unmutes, it's your turn. Hi there. Hey there. Hi there. Good evening. Hi. Good evening. Um, I wanted to ask John, uh, do you have some travel papers that you use um, since you're talking about this, if it's something you sell or whatever that travelers can use. Actually, I have a giveaway tonight. Uh, I have uh, a document. I've been working on uh, acquiring citations, and I just had a little few, after I got that ticket and won again, uh, I thought, you know what, this is what I should be giving out to people. And, Tad, I'd like to pass this along to you, to everybody who's on the call tonight. This is what I titled. It's four pages. Uh three and three quarters almost. Time, timely judicial notice, not for hire, not in commerce, not under state jurisdiction. And it starts off with a United States Supreme Court decision. It goes on to mm -hmm. many different states uh, and more Supreme Court decisions, Second Circuit, uh, you know, all sorts of different things. So uh, this is could be very instrumental in uh, convincing someone that you should be free to leave and uh, not get a ticket. So, okay, but 
How do you respond when they ask for your name or ID, uh, well, let alone registration and insurance? But the name and ID the, is a big question. The, the time before this one that I got stopped, I had my wife in my car with me. We were coming home one evening, and it was, you know, it was starting to to get a little dark. Um, I I said, honey, we're going to be pulled over by the police. Um, now, I want you to pay attention and listen very carefully to what I say. Don't worry about the ticket. Nothing. Don't don't be afraid. Nothing like that. I want you to roll your window down about an inch, and I'll roll mine down. And I don't want you to say one word. Don't chip in if you want to add something. Talk to me about it later. Just listen to what I say. And uh, this guy came up and said, driver's license, insurance, and registration. And I said, well, officer, you know, I I, I, uh, pulled over because you had your emergency lights on, and I didn't want to be an obstruction to you. Um, And and I, I was doing that sort of approach where uh, I, you know, I told them that I'm, I'm, I'm not. Uh, can I ask you w- what you want that for? You know, that sort of thing. And and you always try to answer with a question rather than an answer. So it, you can then eventually get uh-huh. them to the point where they can say, uh, you know, okay, I, or or you know, I, uh, if are you refusing to give me your ID? And and I was with him about 20 minutes. Now he he asked me probably 10 times if I was refusing to give him my, my information. I said, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not refusing at all. Uh, I just do not consent. Um, you don't have jurisdiction over me. And uh, I, I need to ask you uh, if you demand them, what will you do if I don't produce them? He said, well, I, I could write you a ticket. I could uh, take you into jail. I could impound your vehicle. I said, I'm, I'm sorry, officer, with respect. I wasn't asking you what you could do. I was asking what will you do. Said, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take you in because it, it doesn't. You know, they could they could say, well, I'll, I'll take you out for dinner or whatever, but uh, that matters nothing. All that matters is what they will do. That becomes a threat. I then, mm. when he would say, when he said that, I said, well, no, I, I, uh, I would I would give you my identification, officer, under protest under threat, under duress, and under coercion. Now, um, you understand that I'm not in, in I'm not for hire. I'm, I'm not traveling in commerce. Tra- I'm traveling for my own personal pleasure, and so I'm not driving and therefore not under the law. And finally, he went back to his car, and he, he called, uh, made a call, apparently. And I, I was only two blocks from the police station, so four police cars come up and surround us. Like we're, you know, evil or something. And then the sergeant on duty came up and said the same things to me. And, and uh, I left my window down about an inch. I didn't put it down. And I said, you know, I, I think, sergeant, before you do anything further, you you really ought to read this document. And I had some of these citations there for him. I had about three pages. And he said, okay, I'll take a look at this. I, I said, no, I think you really ought to read it. And he said, well, you know, I, I, I'm not going to read it now. I said, well, Perhaps then you could give it to your uh, attorney at the at the, at the station uh, because because I, this is something you need to know about and I'm not in your jurisdiction and so I finally said okay uh, yeah, look just give me your ID and we'll give you a ticket and you can do what you, I said no do what you need to do here's I gave him everything I said this is under protest and I'm not consenting to your jurisdiction and the ID and then is I, not a driver's license. 
Well, it was a driver's license, but I was not using it. I was traveling. Uh-huh. Okay. You know. okay. So uh, you never want to admit to being in commerce if you're not. But okay. I, I said, I'm, prepa- I'm prepared for commerce, but I'm not in commerce. I'm not driving. I have no fare or passenger, et cetera. Okay. And uh, I'm just traveling for my own personal pleasure, so I'm not under your jurisdiction. So they, they gave me a ticket, and I, I, I wrote up uh, another um, action at law, and that got dismissed also. So, you know, if, if you do it right and you do it with respect and you have the right documents, then you can win. It's, there's no question about it. Okay. Is this the same document you used to get out of the registration on the vehicle? Or is that something different? Yes. Yes, it's, it's just a little more advanced than it was when I used it the last time. I've used it four times. So okay. it keeps getting a little better. <laughs> okay. We keep doing more research. they back on the ticket, you said? Uh, yeah. Know? Yeah, they just refunded my, my bail. Wow. Oh, because they make you pay bail before you can go in. Yeah. Now, back then, I didn't have a ticket to show them that was res judicata. So this time now, it, it's even stronger. And, uh, you know, if you get a ticket and you take it to court, you need to keep that ticket. Uh, a color copy, and then on the reverse, put what the decision was if you win. And um, I, I don't see how you can actually lose on this. Uh, obviously, there are some judges out there who will just roll over you, but you can t- appeal that to the Superior Court, to the Supreme Court of your state, uh, or the Court of Appeal of your state, rather, first, and then okay. the Supreme Court if they if they decline it too. But with these with these decisions, the, the Court of Appeal is not going to rule against you, I don't think. I mean, I could be wrong. Some of them are crooked too, but for the the majority of those are, are are pretty good people, and they go by the law, not what their feelings are. So if you present the proper law and the statutes and codes that they look at, also, because right on my uh, oh Ted, there's one other thing uh, I want to give everybody on the call tonight a copy of my uh, my signs for my window. Okay. <laughs> So you'll get the citations and the signs tonight. and uh, Not for hire. That's right, not for hire signs, not in commerce. And it's got, uh, in California, if you're here, uh, it's got uh, DMV uh, code 260.3 that talks about uh, not being in commerce. And it's got the U.S. Supreme Court. It's got Thompson v. U.S. Uh, it's got several other things. So right there on the sticker on the window. So uh, I've only had one in my driver's side and in my rear window. Now I'm going to make them a little bit larger, and I'm going to put them on the dr- on the passenger side also because now the police are starting to come home only on the passenger side. So then when you roll the window down an inch or, or so, um, they say, would you would you kindly look at that that uh, disclosure that notice? Because I want I want you to have legally I have to give you timely notice of my status here. Uh, before you ask me any questions. I heard you say that. I wondered if you had sent something ahead of time to the police station or noticed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I gave notice of status verbally uh, and then pointed the sticker on the window on the rear. And he uh-huh. said, no, I didn't yeah. notice it. But he he could read through the window that it was not for hire. What does it mean when they come to the passenger window versus the driver's window? <clears throat> well, they're just trying to stay out of traffic. They don't want to get run over. Oh, okay. okay. They're just Got being it. safe. And I, I mentioned that to him. I said, that, you know, I you know, I know you you guys need to be safe out here, and you have you, you put your lives on the line for us. We, I do appreciate your your service, so mm-hmm. thank you for that. 
and and of course mm-hmm. that disarms them a bit. Most people are irate. Most people are upset. By the way, you don't want to call it the passenger's uh, window or seat, otherwise you are in commerce. <laughs> well, what's it called? It's a, <laughs> what what right, did you so, call it? So anyway, my no, no people. <laughs> my my people, my people, my wife over here. Okay. It's on the passenger side. I'm just she's just not a passenger. I'm, she's not paying me for my my uh, dri- my driving, so I'm not in commerce. And oh, okay. That's where they get you. They think everybody thinks they're equal, but if you know the difference, you can correct them on that. Yeah, uh, this was, this is where my passenger would sit if if I were uh, for hire. Okay. So, so does that answer your question? Yeah, you want to say you're okay. traveling, not driving, and you want to call it an automobile, not a motor vehicle, correct? Well, I use, I use the phrase motor, motorized conveyance because the Supreme Court has used that in the past. Okay, and, got it. And I like, to, I like to get to know these sites very well. Yeah, definitely. All righty, thank you. All right, All right you're welcome. Any other uh, uh, yeah. questions about traveling, or do we want to go yeah. on to uh, the, the foundation? Uh, I thought we already talked about the foundation. Well, we're not finished. We just brought that up okay. because it was brought up in in terms of protecting assets. But right, okay. But what's so, the next question about? So what uh, you can do is um, we got somebody that has a question. Uh, what would it be better to operate as a foundation for business or LLC? What are the main differences between a trust and a foundation? So okay, let's start the, with the, that. All right, let's start with the last one first. The main difference is what I, I uh, indicated before. In case you weren't on the phone, uh, I will just repeat it. Uh, a, a trust, a statutory trust, gives incidence of ownership, which is a uh, legal term. Incidence of ownership means you have, you have all the right to those possessions. As a trustee in a statutory trust, you are the fiduciary. You, you own and manage those assets. It, you're supposed to manage them for the benefit of the beneficiary, according to the, the, the grantor instructions. But if you abuse that, then, of course, that's fraud, and you can be uh, taken to court for that and serve jail time if it's serious enough. Uh, so in a, founda- in, a, in, a, um, in a foundation, there is no ownership in a trustee. The ownership is in the trust itself. And the trust is only operated by an executive director and a managing director with no incidence of ownership. You say so it's trust? Much, I'm, I'm sorry, the foundation. Thank you. Okay. The, the, uh, so the foundation is a much safer vehicle for that very reason. Now, also, as a church association, a non-statutory humanitarian church association foundation that is organized and unincorporated remains outside the tax code. Uh, It is founded on the First Amendment of the uh, Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no no law respecting the establishment of religion nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And if you are a church or a church association, uh, you have that protection and you can rely on that. In addition, the code itself actually says that church associations are exempt from this section of the code in both 501c and in 508. So you've got uh, verification from the IRS that they don't have any control over you. And you don't have to ask for that exemption. 
that's a a right as a church association. So that's the biggest distinction that I can make. That and the fact that there's you know in a trustee uh, situation you you can lose your assets if he does okay, something so, wrong that you're not aware of. Uh, we got two more questions out of that. Okay. One is. Self-supporting foundation is something that you know takes in money. Is it better to work as a foundation for business or an LLC? Well, uh, an LLC is good. Uh, a a uh, an S corp is good. A C corp is good. Uh, a limited partnership is good, uh, but they don't have some of the benefits, as I said, of the foundation. So I have uh, started a corporation with a partner. That has one corporate veil that is not pierced unless there's fraud involved. Uh, and then those corporate shares can be owned by an LLC where the, 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 the people who manage it uh, participate in the benefits. Those managing, sh- uh, they're not called shares, they're managing uh, portions of that LLC can be then controlled by something else, and you multi-level the protection in order to provide maximum benefits. Uh, One thing that needs to be disclosed is, of course, in a uh, self-supporting humanitarian foundation or a church association or a non-statutory foundation, which is what all those are, uh, you don't get the benefit of a deduction from your income if uh, you contribute a donation to that foundation. So there's no 1099 that you can write off on your taxes. Now, some people say, well, that, I don't want one of those, and I want to get deduction uh, to people so that they'll donate to me. Well, then you, you should start a 501c3 and use the foundation for protection of assets and other things. Now, you can put a business into the foundation that's non-statutory. Um, it, it, as Bob has always said, it's, it's actually a profit-making entity, but it never makes any profit. So it's more for protection than it is for operating a business. But you could do both. It, the foundation can own property. The foundation can own automobiles. Um, uh, it can buy and sell stock. You can do anything a human can do, but it needs the humans to manage it and to operate it. So it's totally separate from the humans. It just relies on them for support to to do the thing that it needs to do in this world. So let's say, for instance, you're an average American. You're buying a house or you have a free and clear house if you're a little bit older and you want to put it into a foundation. You have to go down and record that change of ownership as a donation to a charitable association and that way you're not going to have any problems with the state. It's no longer in your name now in the name of the foundation. And, of course, that foundation has certain obligations. It has to, uh, from a, a point of integrity, it should buy insurance on the, on the, the, the uh, pertinences on the land. Uh, it should paint the property from time to time, keep it up and do the maintenance, uh, change carpets, wh- whatever needs to doing. It needs to have insurance so in case that asset gets in a fire, if you don't have some of the asset, the fire prevention things that our corporations do, um, then it's going to burn up. You know, if you have our products in it, it won't burn up. But um, that's another story. The, uh, 
all this maintenance requires somebody to do it. And the, 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 a, a legal dead entity like a foundation, corporation, LLC, p- partnership, they can't do anything without people. So if, if you need to manage this real estate, it'd be kind of nice if you were on the property from time to time, like maybe daily. So you can maintain it. You can make sure the grass gets cut. Do it yourself or hire somebody. If you hire them, you can pay them out of the, the uh, donations to the foundation. If you do it yourself, you can be reimbursed for your labor. Now that reimbursement, if anybody is familiar with tax law, is not taxable income. So you could take whatever was donated to that foundation and you could recycle that every month to pay the mortgage or to pay the insurance, whatever. You you pay it and then you submit that bill to the foundation for reimbursement. Reimbursement is made through a check from the bank account to which no social security number is associated, and uh, you're reimbursed for your your outlay, for your labor, for all the things you need to do to that property. So many different things. Uh, We'll get into more detail in in private sessions because a lot of that results from personal information that shouldn't be broadcast over the air. Okay. Um, Neil, are you on? Okay. Maybe he's muted right. out. Okay, I've got on. one. Wait, wait. Um, Anil, are you on? Oh, no. Okay, so uh, he's got a couple more questions. They're very All right. good. All right. Um, what about trusts that are not statutory? Well, they can How? be very good. Yeah. Okay. They can be very good. But uh, they don't have that protection of the First Amendment. Ah, okay. Excellent point. So, so are all assets in the foundations donated? Yes. Uh, if you, uh, well, you could sell an asset to the foundation if the foundation wanted to buy it out. Say, say the foundation has a, a, a fairly good size uh, asset base in, in, in capital. It, it could buy something. And uh, then it would change title uh, b- by the executive director's orders and, and uh, operation into the foundation name. Now, I have to warn you, uh, you don't want to put too many things of similar potential liability into the same foundation, just like trust. Uh, LBJ died after his term as president sometime later, and it was said to have 6,000 trusts in his name. And that's because you want to diversify. If you've got a bunch of oil wells like he did, or a bunch of uh, farmlands like he did, and had them all in one foundation, he does something wrong, or in a trust rather, and he does something wrong, somebody sues him, he takes all of his oil wells. You know, well, he wants a trust for this oil well, and a trust for that oil well, etc. right on down the line. So you don't cross-pollinate any potential liability by having all assets into one foundation. You separate everything. It's all, all that comes into, into financial planning. And, and uh, there are reasons why you want some of these entities and, and the reasons why you don't want some of these entities. So that's why, you know, on a personal level, I could consult with people and get that uh, defined based on all their right. personal needs, wants, and objectives and their asset base. Okay, so are you ready for questions um, right now? I am. Okay. So if you've got any questions for John about the foundations, hit star 8 on your phone. 
Otherwise, there we go. Hold on, hold on. Okay, here we go again. All right, go ahead. Okay, I got a question. What about a 508 in the foundation? And is that something that can be used for commerce? Yeah, uh, what state are you in, by the way? In California. Okay. Uh, 508 is a section of the code that that uh, specifically confirms what 501c says, that church associations are exempt. So uh, you've got double confirmation there, and then you've got the First Amendment. So uh, if you want to ex- expand on your question, I'll be glad to try that. Did I answer what you're looking for? Um. Well, as a lot of the churches are finding out, the 501c3 um, has a lot of restrictions that a 508 does not, and I, I can't name them right now um, because I haven't researched it well enough, but that's what I heard. Yeah. Well, I do seminars, and if you're interested, you, you know, you put me on a three-way call with somebody you're looking at talking to, and I'll be glad to discuss the things with them. But uh, the biggest uh, reason churches went to 501c3 is because it's right in the code that it offers a deduction to the contributors. And some churches are more concerned about money coming in than they are about the Word of God. So Correct. you have to look at the source. Uh, I believe uh, that uh, was I believe that was the argument that the 508 uh, was under that what uh, you can and can't preach from the pulpit stuff. Including political. I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know what you mean. No, all churches are not allowed to to uh, endorse political candidates because that's a separation. There's there's the there's the state and there's the church, mm-hmm. and and they don't want to commingle. Uh, so the First Amendment says uh, you, you can't restrict their operation or endorse them. Actually, is what it says, mm-hmm. uh, respecting the establishment. Uh, but you also can't prohibit their free exercise. So churches are not about politics. Jesus said, render to Caesar what Caesar's and to God what is God's. He didn't want to commingle. So uh, the problem with some of these churches is the ministers are completely dependent on conforming to what the, the people want in that church. And so if he's preaching the word of God, he's in conflict. And if he doesn't give them a deduction, they're not going to contribute. He runs out of his income. That's why it's nice to have someone who's pledged to uh, a vow of poverty and, and, and just get a, get the sustenance uh, from their church. A lot, of, a lot of churches do that. So you don't have to answer to the people. You answer to God. So uh, if you want someone to, as I said, go help you with a, that, I'd be glad to supply some, awesome. some counsel for awesome. you. Yeah. And the second question is regarding um, the word association that's in the foundation. Um, I understand when you use the word association, for the IRS code, that brings additional restrictions of some sort. Are you aware of what that is? Yes, it does say that, but it exempts church associations specifically. Okay. Associations are taxable entities unless they're a 501c3, but if they're an association where they're in for profit, uh, then you know, you've got to answer the IRS. Anything that's a privilege. See, if you, if you go and ask the teacher, uh, hey, can I have a 15-minute recess because uh, I'm just tired of this class? And she gives you an exemption. Well, you're responsible to be, to, to be back in 15 minutes. You've got to answer to the teacher. If you mm-hmm. have to ask the IRS for an exemption, 
then you're responsible to them. They oversee everything about you. They can ask for your records anytime, and they can uh, send you to jail if you do certain things wrong. And they can, uh, you know, if you don't pay your taxes, if you uh, don't do the things they want you to do uh, because you've done something wrong, then you know you're subject to their li- liabilities, their jurisdiction. Uh-huh. Anytime you ask um, for a privilege, uh, you're under the under the law. Church associations oh. are above the law, just like a sovereign. Right. Well, as the <clears throat> the uh, the foundation is uh, unincorporated, is it required right. to file taxes? No, it's a church. So it's we a, don't have to notice them like they try to tell you to. Or? If you if you notice them, then you're asking for the jurisdiction. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> See, every time you speak with them, you're giving them jurisdiction. Judge, can I yeah. can I speak here? Yes, you are. You're under the law. You're under the law now. You're under my law, my court law. Uh-huh. Uh, you're, you just ask for permission. Don't ask for permission. You ask for permission, and you're getting a privilege. If it's privileged, you're you're in their in their ball court now. I agree. Now I went and got a bank account, a uh, non-existent bank account foundation. It was interesting, the application at B of A. And B of A allowed a manager to set up the, the account as, as a manager. Well, as far Excuse as me, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm uh, having trouble hearing you a little bit. Can you, can you hold the phone a little bit different? So It sounds like you may be under your cheek or something. I'm sorry. Um, That's better. Thank you. Yeah. Bank of America allowed a manager, allowed me to open the account uh, as a manager. However, um, Wells Fargo and uh, was it Union Bank? <laughs> it was a lot of trouble. So I ended up going with B of A. But I noticed on the application, there's boxes to check for the legal designation, and it actually has a box for unincorporated association. So that's what they checked. Okay. And uh, I thought that was interesting. Something else interesting yeah. on the bank application. Yeah, if, if you run into that, um, I, you know, I like to be specific with everybody I deal with, whether they're uh, financial planning clients or people I just meet like that officer on the, the highway uh, or people who go into banks, whatever. Uh, if they say an incorporated association, I would add the word church in between the two with a little arrow pointing to it. Oh, okay. And, and initial that. Because you want to, you want to declare this is a church. It's, okay. Now I hmm. I had a little while we're on the subject of banks. I had a little run in with Citibank. I went in. I said, you know, I have a have a church association here. I want to uh, get a um, a business account, no no interest, and I want to ensure that I don't have a saving a security a social security number associated with it, uh, because the the reason you ask for a number is to identify me and be sure that it's not somebody else coming up to the ATM and taking money out. So I, I will create a personal pin uh, that will identify me and you'll, you'll know it's me when I take money out of the ATM. He said, well, you know, it's bank policy that uh, we have to have a social security number. I said, well, actually the, the, the law doesn't say that, that you're right. That's bank policy, but uh, social security by law is only to be used for social security not for identification of any sort. In fact, they used to have that right on the face of the Social Security card, and they removed it, but it's still in the law, and I can show that to you if you like. He said, well, our policy is 
uh, we have their social. And, and by the way, that's that's just done for our information. It's it's inside the bank. It's not for public knowledge. Well, the problem with that is the banks are all scanned every day for social security numbers, and they go right in and scan them. And if it's there, they know who you are. So. I got tapped on that account for $125 by the IRS because they, that was when I was getting, you know. A, a Even as a signatory, as a signatory on the foundation? If you have a social security number in their records, they'll find it. Well, uh, they forced it on me. They would, absolutely wouldn't open it without it. So I would go to another bank. You went to B of A. Yeah, I went to three. It depends yeah. on which B of A. So, okay, I got a question about that. Did you open the account and then you got through the process to that point and then said, no, I can't do that? Or did you ask them prior to opening it? If they no, would open it without they just a social. said, we, we have to have it. And I said, well, uh, it's, it's not my account. I'm just the manager of it. There's no reason why I should have to give that. And they said, well, we won't open it otherwise. Yeah, well, that's, that's what you can do. I went into Wells Fargo one time in the 80s when I was learning about this stuff. And and uh, I, I said to the lady, the manager, I said, you know, I'd like to open a bank account and I would like to do it without a social security number. Would you please open this account for me for my personal use? She said, oh, no, we have to have a social security number. I said, well, actually, uh, I appreciate your, the reason, you know, your, your bank tells you that. But <clears throat> if you look at the social security law, it says you cannot use it for anything but social security. And uh, she said, oh, no, no, I, it's company policy. We have to have it. I said, well, you know what? Maybe what you could do is get the legal department on the phone and let me talk to the attorneys there. Oh, you can't talk to the attorneys in the legal department? No. I said, well, maybe you <laughs> could talk to them, and I'll tell you what to say. You can tell them, and then they can come back to you. Well, it took about a half an hour, but they opened the account without a social. Mm-hmm. Well, that's they know they the law. They, they say, know we're, the law. We're a private company, and we can decide what our rules are if you want to be in our <coughs> Yeah, company. not if you're under the law. Not if you're under the law. You've got to follow the law. Social Security is mm-hmm. the law. Mm-hmm. You know? Something so, else of uh, note on, on this application, very interesting. It says that you are agreeing that, um, it, it, that this bank is a transmitting utility, and we can work with this account directly with Treasury uh, Management Services. I yeah, thought that was starting, interesting. Yeah, but they're starting to disclose that now. Yeah, but then it said, and this will not be revoked until you send a letter of revocement. And it started to dawn on me, all the bank accounts I have closed in the past but never sent a revocement letter specific to that, they're probably still digging into it. Yeah, they're using your name, sure. Wow, you should you should ask them more uh, clarification on what all that actually means, just so they could, just so you could hear it from the source. Well, it was yeah, very, and, very interesting. And you know what? If I were you, and you do that, I would uh, choose to have my uh, uh, cell phone on ready to record and say, "Oh, <laughs> yes. let me check this. Let me check this here," and then just put it back in a, in your purse with the the microphone for, facing them and record every word. Now yeah. you can't you can't use that against them because you can't use an in California, one one of the states that say you can't record without knowledge and then use it later against them. That's entrapment. And uh, and you, what you might say is, I don't remember very well. Do you mind if I record this so I, I don't forget what you said? And then uh-huh. they've agreed. Yeah. And then they've agreed. Yes. Yeah. 
and remember to sign everything with by on those papers. Authorized Correct? representative. Authorized representative. Okay. Or in the case of a foundation, it's, it's uh, managing director because an executive director is also a managing director. I right. actually have those pre-printed on my check. Okay. It says by colon line authorized representative, and then I have abbreviated managing MG, MNG capital DIR on, mm-hmm. on the far right side. So I never forget. You know, it's always on there. Oh, and another side note on that, I just picked up a stamp, a purple stamp that says uh, we're putting on every deposit and every check you put in on that. that says deposited for credit on account or exchanged for non-negotiable Federal Reserve notes of face value. The understanding is, if you're ever audited, when they go pull up copies of those checks or deposit slips and find that on there, it's, it's a non-taxable event. Right. You have to uh, demand uh, exchange for value. Uh, and and you, I, I actually put the checking account number in there, in that disclosure, and then um, I, I put in, uh, I think it's... Uh, uh, Title, I can't remember what the title, Title 4 or something like that, 411. 12, 411? Uh, yeah. Lawful yeah. Money? 12, uh-huh. right. Right. Uh-huh. And, then, uh, and then I put All Rights Reserved, UCC 1-308. There you go. Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's why it's that's why to do that. They're using so many ways to steal from us, it's terrible. So that's why I like to use the law, not the statutes and the codes. And uh, the mm-hmm. law says that... Fun- a non, non unincorporated church foundations are are not taxable. It's you know they're under the First Amendment. So, okay. Any other questions okay. about Thank foundations? You. You're welcome. Yes, I have one. It's okay. R eight. We want to follow procedure. <laughs> if you can't yeah, follow okay. procedure, we can't recognize you. I think I know who this is. Hey, we got a caller in Arizona. Arizona, oh, oh, go okay. ahead. Awesome. <laughs> Arizona John here. I've got a situation where a 501c3 foundation got my property, which I had about 400000 in, as a way for the mortgage company to do a donation. Uh, and then... The 501c3 now has that property. I'm vice president of in the 501c3, duly authorized by the IRS. Okay. And we were trying to figure out how to donate. What we want to do is donate that property back to my nonprofit foundation of Paradise Ranch Fire and Rescue, which is not a 501c3. Is that possible, or do I have to go under jurisdiction, you know, and take Paradise Ranch Fire and Rescue, which is a nonprofit organization now, and make it a 501c3 before the main foundation can donate the property back to it? Well, you have to comply with the tax regulations of the 501c3 if you're going to donate that property or something. Now, I don't know of any prohibition, but you need to talk to a good tax man about this. 
because this is for educational purposes only. I'm, I'm not a tax authority. I'm not a, an attorney. So I don't give advice in either of those areas. I am a planner, so I give advice in that area. But uh, but uh, I would talk to a good tax authority, maybe even a tax attorney, so you get a, a double whammy there, and, and ask him, uh, what are the restrictions on this 501c3 and donating property to other worthy causes? And I think they'll, you'll probably find out you can do it. Yeah, so, well, the thing, I know we can do it if I take the nonprofit firefighting entity and turn it into a 501c3 and spend 600 to to $1,000 to get all that done in endless months of time. However, no, I'm, not ta- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that you have a, a, an unincorporated church association that has uh, the, the ability to help the needy. And, and by doing so, uh, 501c3s donate to other 501c3s all the time, but I believe they can also donate to an unincorporated association because you're not asking for a deduction from the 501c3. No. Uh, we're uh, just trying to, asking, asking we're trying to, don- to donate. So. Right, we're trying to have a stabilized fire base. Yeah. Where we have fire equipment and fire tanks. Yeah, uh, that'd, be, that'd be great. That'd be great. So you think that is possible then? I, I believe it is, but again, I'm not a tax attorney or, or accountant, CPA. So I would okay. I would seek counsel on that. It's well worth the money you're going to spend. And uh, what you might say is, uh, I like to go to an attorney and say, hey, I'd like to request 15 minutes of your time for complimentary con- consultation. Can you afford the time? It has to do with tax consequences for 501c3. There you go. All right. All right, thank you for that answer. You're quite welcome. So, you guys, if you want to get set up with the foundation, you want to get started with that and get the benefit of John's knowledge, his extensive knowledge, go to youhavetheright.com. You can uh, find the contact button at the bottom and get a hold of me, and we'll set this up for you. Okay, Ted, just want to re-announce that I'm sending over uh, something for your personal view, but also some traveling sites and the signs for everybody to take advantage of. I'm going to enlarge mine. This is done horizontally uh, on, on, a, on a portrait, uh, and, and I'm going to make mine a landscape and make it bigger. Put a big one in the back window and then a small one in the two side windows and uh, make it big enough so the police can see it, Not in, not for hire. All right. Um, I'm going to send those out. Next hope you'll, time. Hope you'll, Hopefully it would help if you told me you were doing this because that does take some programming to put it up on the website. Oh, oh, uh, well, I, <laughs> I was just thinking, I wasn't talking about the website. I, I was talking about just the people who were there tonight. Well, I, 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 that's, I don't know how to, to differentiate between those people and anybody that catches the recording later. Oh, well, it's, it's for So we'd have to call. put it on it's, the website and they'd have to yeah. go download it. All right. Well, if you want, just don't do it then tonight, and we'll, for the next time, we'll announce in advance that there's a, a, a giveaway of some free inf- of some information for those who attend tonight only. Okay. Ma- make your decision. It's on recording, and I thank you for setting this up. Thanks everybody well, for calling. I, hold, again, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. We got one more question. Hold, hold on. Well, hold it. Okay. Hold Got to charge you for that. Hold That's it. Overtime. What does hold it mean? For those of you that would like to have this, you can email me, kish, K-I-S-H, at mailhouse.com. 
And if I get it by tomorrow morning, I will take what John gave me and pass it on to you, but only then. So for those people listening tonight, kish at mailhouse.com. Email me, and then I can pass it Hold on it, to you. Hold it, damn it. God damn it, hold it. K-I-S-H. Okay, jackass left. All right, go ahead, John. Okay. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody. For, oh, oh, okay. Uh, we got John, another question? Yeah, Arizona, John. Tad and I were just talking about this, and I'm reminding Tad about it because he wanted to bring it up. I'm a commercial truck driver. I, do, I, I haul hazmat tanks. I have FBI, TSA, Homeland Security clearance. Okay. I am commercial. However, yeah. sometimes I'm not, but I always have that license. But what about us truckers? They pull us over, and I—I I swear to God, we're like a slave yep. when they well, get done. You, you, as a as a uh, commercial trucker, you are using the highways and byways for professional gain, and that's a taxable item. There's nothing I can do about that. That's you know, yeah, you're un, you're under the jurisdiction, and uh, the Supreme Court holds that uh, for a long time. Well, here's what I do. Here's mostly what my company does. I have, even on several of my trucks, I have not for hire because my trucks and trailers are actually hauling for no fee. I am doing work for the state of Arizona, and they pay me for the services. But the trucks and trailers are not hauling any public commerce. It's not public. Okay. It's actually a private entity doing it. I, well, I would get a contract with a state that's in writing that you can show to the highway patrol and, and tell them I'm not oh, in right. I'm not in commerce and and uh, this is uh, this is a a donation of this vehicle's uh, assets to the state for firefighting. And yeah, I don't know. The problem is. You see, I have to have, Tad knows all about it. You probably do, too. I have to have a DOT physical. I have DOT drug tests. I pass all this stuff. I've got to have papers like you wouldn't believe when I get pulled over. You think you've got papers? You have no idea if you're, you've never driven a, a Peterbilt or a Kenworth. Oh, I understand. You know? I understand. But, you know, if if you're getting paid for it and they're your vehicles, um to me, you fall right into the into the trap of the IRS that you're you're uh, using well, not the IRS but the states that you're using the highways for for commerce. Yeah, as I, 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 as I, I understand you. it. As I understand it, if you're independent, owning your own trucks and not employed by somebody else, you're actually exempt. Well, it's also the abuse that you receive at the scales from these, you know. Pinhead little dictators that run the scale house. It would be nice oh. to have some kind of leverage to, you know, sue them or something. Well, I'd be glad to uh, take a look at that. If if whoever made that comment uh, would like to send the citations on where he found it, and then we could incorporate it into a document. But uh, right. you know, I don't I don't have that knowledge, so I'd be happy to receive. We get research from everybody all over the country, so I, I've got customers in. Pennsylvania and in New Jersey and uh, uh, you know all over the South and the, the North. Yeah, and <laughs> not for everywhere. hire. I have not for hire signs on a rollback wrecker. 
and it's only used for moving material around for my main trucking company, not yeah. the public. Yeah. Yeah, then you should be able to, to uh, have the citations for that handy, so well, you, you tell them. They pull me over and check me out, and I just, I have all the stuff with me in a big briefcase. Yeah. And we just go through papers, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to take your medicine if you're going to do that. So I, I don't know what to tell you unless you Thank can provide you. sites. I, I, I can't you. help you. But good. Thanks for the I call. No, and the question. Thank you. Uh, you did great. Thank you very much. Uh, happy to help. All right. So we're going to go ahead and end the call. John, Mr. Gorla, thank you very much. And all those that participated, thank you, too. And, You're welcome. Uh, it's, a, it's just as a reminder, it's for educational purposes only, not intended as legal advice. Thank you. Have a great <laughs> night, Ted. All right, with that. Have, have a great have, night. All right, everybody. Thank you very much, and good night. Good night. Good night. Bye.